Everybody ready? I got a Bible study tonight. This is Bible study night, so I'm glad that we have the Bible students with us tonight. So I'm going to the book of Matthew, chapter 11, and tonight I'm going to teach on Christ Jesus, our Sabbath. I think it's very important that we have a good understanding of what the Word of God teaches concerning the Sabbath. And so I'm devoting this entire message to explaining to you from the scriptures the Sabbath and its significance to us in the New Testament church. So are you ready? All right then. Praise God. You are ready. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And tonight for a few moments on the subject, Christ Jesus, our Sabbath. Would you lift your voices and let's give God praise. I love you, Jesus. You are worthy to be praised. Father, we thank you for all your blessings and your mercies and your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you, Lord, that you strengthen your people tonight. Heal those, O Lord, who need healed and and touch those who need to be strengthened, O God. Bless those who are worshiping online tonight with us, O God, and those who are here in the building. Father, I pray that the hand of God would be mighty upon us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you promise to listen, you may be seated. Everyone else remains standing but me. Hallelujah. Wow, we're going to have 100% cooperation tonight. That's awesome. He was born in an obscure village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He then became an itinerant preacher. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He never went to college. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. He was turned over to his enemies. He was deserted by his friends. He went through a mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves while he was dying. His executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. He was laid in a borrowed grave. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is still the central figure of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, All the parliaments that ever sat and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of one of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. I'm going to be talking about Jesus tonight, our Sabbath. The Old Testament is filled with figures and shadows and examples, types 
that all prophesy of and point to Jesus Christ. You're going to find Jesus Christ just about on every page of the Old Testament. He is the promised Redeemer, and the Old Testament is filled with examples and types and shadows and figures that all point to the Lord Jesus. Matter of fact, the New Testament book of Hebrews was originally written to Jewish Christians who apparently were on the verge of renouncing Jesus Christ and returning back to the Old Testament way of doing things. Hebrews 9, 9 tells us that the tabernacle of Moses was a figure for the time then present. Understand what a figure is. It's an illustration, the NIV says. The Amplified Bible says a figure is a parable, a visible symbol, a type, a picture. The Living Bible says that a figure is an important lesson for us today. The Good News Translation defines figure as a symbol which points to the present time. So I'm showing you that the writer of Hebrews went to great lengths to show that many of the, of the things found in the Old Testament were put there to serve as an example, as a shadow of heavenly things. And when the writer was writing to the Hebrew Christians, he was encouraging them to stick with it, to stay with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and as you're studying in the Word of God, you're going to find the lesson concerning the Sabbath. It's written all throughout Scripture. The Sabbath was a figure. It was an illustration. It was a parable, a visible symbol, a type, and a picture, ultimately, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I will prove that by the Scriptures tonight. Quite simply, Sabbath means rest. So whenever you see the word Sabbath, it means rest. In the Old Testament, you would be put to death if you did not observe the Sabbath. If you were a Hebrew and you violated the Sabbath like the man caught picking up sticks on the Sabbath day, you would be put to death. And in the New Testament, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you don't have Jesus, you will die. Jesus said in John 8 51, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. One thing you need to understand about the Lord Jesus. It's found in Matthew 5, 17. He said, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So notice the Old Testament things are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The Holy Scriptures teach that Jesus fulfills the Sabbath. 
In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, which is where we started tonight and where I'm going back to right now, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Or he could have said, I will give you Sabbath. Come unto me, all ye that are uh, uh, labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Watch. And you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, what the Sabbath day could not do, it could not bring rest to the soul. It could bring rest to the body. You could lay in bed, you could stop and not do any work, but your mind could be on fire. Your thoughts could be troubled. Your heart could be burdened because the Sabbath day gave rest to the body. But the fulfillment of the Sabbath gives rest to the body and rest to the soul. It says, you shall find rest in your souls when you come unto him. You that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest or I will give you Sabbath. Jesus did great miracles on the Sabbath day. How many is aware of that? To the consternation of the Jewish leaders of his day. And let me tell you something. This was not miracle incidence. That he was doing these miracles on the Sabbath day. And I'm going to just take a, a look at a, a little portion of scripture I think will help you to understand. Now Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's teaching. And I'm going now to Mark chapter 2 verse 21. I love this passage. Watch. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth and an old garment. Else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old. And the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. He said, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. He said, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will, be burst, uh, will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. Now, Jesus is walking along, teaching his disciples. Get the picture. And he's telling them that there's a change about to take place. It's not going to be like it always was. It's going to be different than what it has been. And he's basically talking about the change between the old and the new covenant. 
And he's telling them that there's some changes coming and you can't put this in the old wineskin and, and you can't sew this onto uh, uh, an old piece of garment, a new piece of cloth. It's, it's going to make the whole worse. And so he says there's a change and, and he's telling them with his teaching that there's a time of fulfillment coming. And he's signaling that there's going, they're going to be going from the symbol or from the type or from the shadow to the fulfillment of the symbol, to the fulfillment of the type. I did not come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. So he's saying, we're moving now from the shadow to the fulfillment of the shadow. He said, it's futile trying to patch an old worn out garment with a new unshrunk piece of cloth. It just won't work. And when the new piece becomes wet, it will shrink pull away from the old, make a larger hole. And he said, it's disastrous to pour new, not fully fermented wine into an old, worn-out, brittle wineskin. Inevitably, as the new wine ferments and expands, it will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. Now, he's just told that story. You have to pay attention now. He has just got through telling this story, and then look what happens next, the very next verse. Mark chapter 2. You've got to tie it all together here. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. Not by coincidence, by the way. And his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. Now, he just got through talking about that you can't do this old and the new and the old won't mix and there's going to be a change. And, and now he leads them through a cornfield and the disciples are reaching out and plucking an ear of corn and eating. And it's the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? Taint right. And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and was hungered, and he and they that were with him, how he went to the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest, and, and did eat the shewbread which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him? And now you're going to understand why he's been teaching them before he ever went to the cornfield about the new cloth, old cloth, new wine, old wineskins. He said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. I own it, he says. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Do you understand? The Pharisees are saying, why are they plucking corn? It's a Sabbath day. It's not lawful. Now, he's already introduced the subject to his disciples before they got there. And now they plucked the corn, and the Pharisees are complaining. And he says, let me tell you something, my religious friends. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And beside that, I own it. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. 
Now, he doesn't stop. Sometimes we're reading scripture and we don't put it all together. But in the very same passage, watch what happens next to get the full meaning of the lesson that he's teaching. Now we start looking at verse 21. Actually, uh, uh, do you have 221 there? Yes? Okay, good. I already did that. So now we go through, we've gone through 221 through uh, 28. I've just told you about that. And now we get to the next chapter. And we American people, sometimes we stop reading at the end of the chapter. We put our Bible down and we miss the whole point. Because when the Bible was written, it was not written in chapters. We made chapters later. But this was not supposed to stop at the end of chapter 2. So watch what happens now when we get to chapter 3. Now they just walk through the, wheat, through the cornfields plucking corn, and the Pharisees are grumbling. He said, I own the Sabbath. I am, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And leaves the cornfield, and he entered again into the synagogue. Remember, it's on the Sabbath day. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him. Watch. Watch what he does. They watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day. That they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. Step up. And he looks at these Pharisees and he saith unto them, Is it lawful? To do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? To save life or to kill? And they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth straightway or immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Now here's Jesus, the fulfillment of the symbol of the Sabbath. And when the fulfillment of the Sabbath day is standing before them, they want to kill him. Because it's become more important to them than the real thing. All that took place with Jesus starting out by talking about old wineskins and new wine. Right? And, and intimating, there's a change coming, boys. Then he says, come on, let's walk through this cornfield. He knew exactly what those hungry disciples were going to do. When they came out of the cornfield licking the corn off their lips and the Pharisees were going... He never lets it stop him. He goes right into the synagogue. It's on the Sabbath. There's a man with a withered hand. And they look at him to see what he's going to do. And he says, son, stretch forth your hand. And he said, I want you guys to know something. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. All right. 
Now watch this story in Luke chapter 13. I love these lessons. In Luke 13, 10, and he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. You would think everybody would be rejoicing. No. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord looked around and said, You hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound low these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Are you still with me? Some of you look like you're really excited tonight. I know it's Wednesday. I know you've worked hard and everything, but just act like you're excited, even if you're not. I'll pay you after it's over. (laughs) Now, the next is a story of a person who's healed of the dropsy. Anybody here ever have the dropsy? Well, let me give you a little hint. It's not somebody who has a problem dropping things. Because if that was the case, some of you have had it. But in Luke chapter 14 and verse 1, it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread when? On the Sabbath day. And what they do? They watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And I didn't know what it was. I had to look it up so uh, I couldn't remember. But when I looked it up, it said, legs and arms swollen with fluid. And so there's a certain man who has the dropsy, and Jesus answered and spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful? To heal on the Sabbath day. I mean, Jesus could have done it any any other day, but he's making a point. And they held their peace. And he took him and healed him and let him go. And answered them, saying, Which of you shall have a donkey or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. Did you know that in Paul's day, there were some Jewish Christians who were trying to say that everyone had to go back and observe the seventh day 
as the Sabbath. This happened during the ministry of Paul. And I'd like for you to look at the Apostle Paul's answer to this dilemma. It's found in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16. Here's Paul's answer to those who said, Christians must observe the seventh day as a day of rest. Paul said, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. He said, these are wonderful things, but they're just a shadow of things to come. Such things are only the shadow of the things that are to come. And they have only a symbolic value. But the reality, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible now, the reality, the substance, the solid fact of what is foreshadowed, the body of it belongs to Christ. So if you just take the Word of God, the Word of God is very straightforward on this subject. The early church must have understood that Jesus is our Sabbath because after Christ arose from the dead on the first day of the week, they began calling the first day of the week the Lord's Day. There was a changeover that took place between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, the Sabbath day was the day that you did nothing and you rested. I still think it's physically good for you to take a day and rest. I'm not knocking that. But what I am telling you is this, is that when Christ arose from that tomb, the early church began calling the first day of the week, the day that Jesus resurrected on, they started calling that day the Lord's Day, and they started meeting on the first day of the week from the resurrection until now. In Matthew 28 and verse 1, look, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And when is this happening? The first day of the week. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Then you read in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Are you guys okay? And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, when did they come together? They came together on the first day of the week. This is what the early church did. Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Which, by the way, I thought we would try to be like the Apostle Paul tonight. Don't grab your hat. 
I was just kidding. But notice, in Paul's day, they gathered on the first day of the week, and Paul preached. What's going on? It's Sunday go to meeting. It's the first day of the week. This stuff has been going on ever since the resurrection, just so you know. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2. Look what Paul the Apostle taught. Is this okay tonight? He said, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So he's talking about again on the first day of the week. Let's put together what we're going to give to God on the first day of the week. And John the Revelator. He's on the Isle of Patmos, right? It's Revelation chapter 1. And he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. What's the Lord's Day? It's the first day of the week. It's the resurrection day. And heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. So we know that the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, was the common meeting day because on it Christ Jesus rose from the dead. Therefore it was called the Lord's Day and took the place of the Jewish Sabbath throughout the Christian world. It was a changeover from the old wineskins to the new. From the old cloth to the new. But one of my favorite Scriptures about the Sabbath is in Isaiah chapter 28, where the prophet said, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. A prophecy saying that the Jewish nation would not accept that. He said they would not hear. But he said, I want you to know that this is the rest. When I receive the Holy Ghost with stammering lips and another tongue, say what you want to, but I'm going to say what Isaiah said. This is the rest wherewith the weary shall rest. This is the Sabbath wherewith the weary shall Sabbath. Oh my God. Somebody get excited about the Word of God. Hallelujah. This is the Sabbath wherewith the weary shall Sabbath. This is the rest wherewith the weary shall rest. I'm not here tonight to put anybody down who wants to take a certain day. And Paul even talked about that. He said, if they do, they do it under the Lord. If they do not, they do it not under the Lord. He said, don't make a judgment on that. But I will tell you this, you need to understand that Jesus Christ is the Sabbath. He is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He is the rest. And tonight, I know that there's folks that have come here weary and tired. I know that there's folks that are going through situations that you wish to God you didn't have to go through. But I want you to remember, Jesus said, I'll be your rest. You come unto me. I know you're weary. I know you're heavy laden. But my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You come unto me and I, I promise you, I will give you rest. I will give you Sabbath. 
Does anybody right now just want to let Jesus take you into his arms and give you rest? Is that all right? Let's just stop what we're doing for a minute. And let's just take some quality moments right now with Jesus. Lord, here I am. Lord, I need that rest. I want that rest in my life. God, a person in the Old Testament could lay around all day on the Sabbath day, but their heart could be troubled and broken and their mind racing and and stress just consuming their life. But Lord, when you came, you, the spiritual Sabbath, uh, you're the one, Lord, uh, you're the one right now that said, come unto me and I'll give rest to your soul. That's a whole nother ball game right there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to give rest to your soul. I'm going to rest your psyche. I'm not just going to rest your, your body. I'm going to rest your spirit. I'm not just going to rest your body. I'm going to rest your emotions and your intellect. I'm going to give you a rest. Hallelujah. You know what the devil would love to do? He'd love to drive God's people crazy. He'd like to drive you to a nervous breakdown. He'd like to drive you into a place where you're trembling and fearful and worried and upset and and scared about what tomorrow may hold and feeling guilty about what yesterday held. And, And so you're living a life that's filled with tension, but that's not the will of God. Jesus said when he came, he said, I, I will give you rest. This is why it's so important. It's not that I'm trying to split hairs with anybody, but it's so important that you understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath, that when he comes into your life, he comes to give your soul rest. He comes to give your mind rest. He comes to give your body rest. He's not just going to let you lay around for a day. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to be with you seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You're going to have Sabbath every day. You're going to have Sabbath on Sunday. You're going to have Sabbath on Monday. You're going to have Sabbath on Tuesday and you're going to have Sabbath on Wednesday and you're going to have Sabbath on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I own it. I know it may be difficult at times. My God. I know of people right now that are going through the most difficult thing they've ever gone through in their life. I get it. And that's why we need the Lord Jesus to be our Sabbath. You want to try the yoga thing? That's up to you. But I'm going to tell you that Jesus is your Sabbath. You want to try meditation? You go ahead. Whatever you want to do. But I'm going to tell you that Jesus is your Sabbath. You go ahead and put on some soft music. Nothing wrong with that. Play that soft music in your car, in your living room. Fine. But when the end of the day comes and you've got to shut off the radio... When the end of the day comes and you can no longer run the CD, when the end of the day comes and, and all the music stops, those people who have Jesus as their Sabbath are going to be resting in a cocoon of the presence of God. God is going to watch over you and your sleep is going to be good. I say in the name of Jesus, he gives his beloved sleep. I'm starting to feel the Holy Ghost now. The devil was trying to hinder me here for a few minutes. That's all right. Sorry, loser. 
He can't stop us from doing the work of God. He can't stop you from living for God. I'm going to tell you right now, God wants to give somebody a big dose of peace tonight. God wants to give somebody a big dose of of contentment. God wants to take some troubled hearts away and fill your heart with his peace and joy. And he comes to you and says, I just want you to know I am Jesus Christ, your Sabbath. But Lord, I'm unworthy. Exactly. Who is worthy? Nobody. So what are you going to do? I'm going to have to trust him. I'm going to have to believe him. I'm I'm just going to go to him and and I'm going to say, Lord, you said if I'm weary and heavy laden to come to you. And Lord, my arms are heavy. Lord, my strength is small. God, I don't feel so good, but here I come, Lord. You said if I would come unto you, you would give me rest. I, I need rest. Listen. You can have Jesus as your rest, or you'll end up going somewhere trying to find it somehow. You're either going to find it in a drug, you're going to try to find it in a bottle, you're going to try to find it in a relationship, you're going to try to find that rest because the soul is thirsty for God. Notice what the Bible says, come unto me all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, I will give you rest for your soul. How many know that the soul is inside of every one of you? It's a God-shaped vacuum. Your soul came from God and will go back to God. Your soul needs the presence of God like a fish needs water. You take a fish out of water and it'll live for a few minutes and it'll flop around. It's going to be miserable though. And finally, it's going to die if you don't put it back into the water. And I'm telling you that God created you with a soul. And the only place you're going to find peace, the only place you're going to find rest, the only place you're going to find contentment is getting to the presence of God. That's why the devil wants you to run around so much that you don't have time to pray. That's why the devil wants you to keep out of church because he knows your soul needs the presence of God. That's why the devil doesn't want you to worship God tonight. That's why the devil's telling you that you're too tired. Just look at your watch and wait. The preacher will give up in a minute and he'll say amen. And you can walk out and spend another restless night like you did last night. But I say unto you, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord's walking down your road right now. And he said, listen, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I want to give you rest. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to take away your worries. I'm going to take away your anxiety. I'm going to take away those things that you're worried about. I am the Lord thy God. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am Jesus Christ, your Sabbath. I don't know what the doctor told you. I don't know what your physical condition may be. I don't know if you're facing something that you wish you didn't have to face. I just know that Jesus Christ is your peace. He's your rest. He's the one that wants to give you rest for your soul. Brother Dick, you promised me something. I don't know how this is all going to turn out. I just know that Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Sister Judy, you just came back home after being gone for how long? My God, woman. Don't ever do that again. But before you left, you got this church singing a song. We've been singing it ever since. He's bigger than all my problems. Bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than every mountain that I can or cannot see. God is bigger than your physical malady right now. God is bigger than this health issue. God is bigger than your financial pressure. God is bigger than your kids that you're worried about. God is bigger. He's bigger than every mountain. And he says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'd do it again, but I'm too tired. <laughs> he said, if you go, I'll go. And he kept his word. <laughs> Hallelujah. All your anxieties, all your fears, bring to the mercy seat. Leave them there. Never a worry that he cannot bear. Never a friend like Jesus. All your anxieties, all your cares, bring to the mercy seat. Leave them there. Never a burden that he cannot bear. Never a friend like Jesus. I'm praying for somebody right now that your life has been filled with anxious thoughts. I'm praying for somebody right now that you would just walk to Jesus and say, Lord... I can't handle this. This is way too heavy for me. i got to turn it over to you. You said, come unto me, all ye who are weary. Lord, that's me. I'm weary. Lord, you said, come unto me, all ye that are... Lord, I feel so heavy laden. It's been a heavy burden upon my mind and upon my soul. I've been so concerned about, Lord, and I've been so, so worried about him. Lord, I, I don't even know if I can feel your presence like I want to. But I'm coming. And you promised me you would give me rest. I know God is talking to somebody online, and I know God is talking to somebody in this building. And I just want you to know that God loves you so much. You've been carrying a load that was never intended for you to carry. You were never supposed to carry that load. You were always supposed to give it to him and let him carry it for you. It's too heavy for you. It's breaking you down. And God says, I'll tell you what, let's do. You come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Now, he's not asking for the multi-talented, although you're welcome. He's not asking for all the people that's got it all together and you've got all your boxes crossed and everything is going just perfect, although you're welcome. But he's particularly calling to somebody who's feeling overburdened and just weary 
He said, you're the one. You come to me, and I will give you Sabbath. See, I can't just let people believe what they want to about the Sabbath because it's so important that you know who the Sabbath is. It's not a what anymore. That was a symbol. It's a who now. It's Jesus. And you're going to need him to be your Sabbath. You're going to need him to be your rest. And not just on Saturday, but you're going to need him Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday too. You're going to need him to be your Sabbath. Now, if you have a burden that you're carrying and you want to lay it at the altar, I invite you to do that right now. Just, just the burdens of life can become heavy at times. You just want to lay them at the feet of Jesus. It's okay. I have to do it myself. If I try carrying life's burdens, I'll burn out. I can't do it. I have to turn it over to him. He's the one who knows just exactly what I need.